This is Fantasy Book Club. Hello and welcome to the Fantasy Book Club. This is the Internet's Book Club and just by listening, you're a member. We mixed it up today and I'm Sydney Lyerly. I'm Colton Pratt. <laughs> and we have beatboxing Colton Pratt over here. The votes are in. All of, all of our audience loves when I beatbox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We thank you, those, those of you who commented on our uh, Instagram post from yeah. last week. We really appreciate it. If you haven't... Go comment how much you love Colin's beatboxing. <laughs> don't do this thing. Tell him, tell him you love it and it's your favorite. And if you don't hear it every episode, you're gonna be sad. Every episode. <laughs> I'm just kidding. That's a bold. Uh, okay. Yeah, sure. Every single episode we will record. I will beatbox at least once. I promise. <laughs> from the, t- I'm lying. I am lying so hard. Um, He's lying through his teeth to you guys right now. Right through there. Uh, the also, I wanted to let let uh, Han Solo know because he comments all the time. That person who replied to you randomly, that in fact <laughs> was my fiance. So you were in your comment, you talked about me having a fiance, and me, my fiance was like, "Here I am." So uh, I've appeared. That was her. If you're wondering what sh- what she, I mean, I guess what she looks like. I guess you could go look at her account if you wanted to, <laughs> but that would be kind of weird. I think um, we love Grace. I actually, I just said that. It makes me wonder how many people who listen to us know what we look like. Like, have they bothered to go look at our at our social medias, or do you think they're just like pick, making photos of us in their brain as to what we look like? I don't know. That's a good question. Well, whatever you're thinking, I look like I look ten percent handsomer than that. So, <laughs> is that what you're telling? That's yourself? what I'm telling myself. Yes. <laughs> um, Alrighty, I think now we should get right into um, the actual. We'd also like to say oh. both Colton and I are a little bit tired today. Yeah. Um. Yeah, Colin hasn't been feeling the best the last couple of days. No. I woke up this morning feeling like I had no energy in my body whatsoever. Don't know what's up with that. So we're a little bit lower. So this is going to be a chill yes. episode today. So we're going to be jazzing with it. So don't expect <laughs> us to scream nearly as much as normal. We might still scream. We might. Probably will. Probably will, yes. We feed off each other's low energy. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and start. Uh Oh, wait, hold on. This week we read chapters 44, 45, and 46. So make sure you read those. And next week, we got a lot. Next week, we're reading chapters 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, and interlude 7 and interlude 8. But do not read interlude 9. Do not read the first two interludes, not the third yeah, one. Yeah, so we're reading chapters 47 through interlude 8, okay? It's weird, weird. I know. I'm sorry. I tried to not have that happen, but it's the only way it worked out for timing-wise. Sorry, friends. Yeah. Here so, we go, by the way. Yes. Uh, Sydney goes for the first two chapters, but there's a little there's a little sheet at the beginning of our first chapter that's called The History of Man, which I think I'm going to go through real quick and, and read you the history of man okay. on this planet. Okay. It says, also, if I get some words wrong, it's because the font is dumb. Yeah, the font, not a great font choice. It's hard to read. Eh? Okay, here it goes. The History of Man. The Expulsion, which is the loss of the Tranquiline Halls. The Desolations, War Against Voidbringers. Uh, A H A R I A. I think that's E. I think that's an I E. I E. O maybe. O I M. A hurry. I have no idea. The last desolation, defeat of the Voidbringers. Whatever we that that word, the font is that bad and the letters are weird. It does get mentioned, I think, in this upcoming chapter. If we see it, we'll go know. ahead and let you know. But I don't yeah. remember. Um. Then there's the recreance, which is the fall of the Knights Radiant. Then there's the Herora. Heroroy. I don't know. <laughs> uh, which is the failure of Voronism. The font, whoever picked out this font, 
why you do this. I mean, they made it fancy. It's fancy for it sure. It is a fancy font, but it's impossible to read. If I had to describe it, I would call it fancy and dumb. It is fancy and dumb. <laughs> okay, we're going to start with chapter 44, which is called The Weeping. So this was five years ago. This was a uh, baby cow, though he's not only a baby, but young cow. And we do finally get to see what the weeping is. And the the um the thing that Sydney's been theorizing since the beginning of the book. I was book. actually kind of right. Eh. Ish. Eh. I wasn't surprised. When it came up, yes. I was like, this, yes, does, this makes sense. It was just getting exactly what happened down. You That would have been your kind of. I, yes. I had the general idea of what was going to happen, <laughs> but not like exactly the details. Hey, audience member who is definitely out there, who is definitely keeping track of how many. <laughs> this one falls into the kind of. Not right, not wrong. <laughs> okay, anyways. So uh, Kaladin is talking or thinking about how much she hates the weeping. And so yeah. basically the weeping is like it just rains for four weeks at the end of every single year. And that's how they know the year's ending. Because yeah. It just rains for four straight weeks, which would be miserable. Yeah, but not like a high storm rain. No, just like, just like a, a drizzle steady, rain. Steady yeah. rain. Um, and so he's laying on top of the uh, the roof on his house, uh, just hanging out. He's uh, like taking off like things off of the roof to make sure that and, like patching the roof yeah. so that the roof doesn't like leak. For four weeks. The weeping is the best time to see if your roof has leaks because yeah. there's four straight weeks of things dripping. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's interesting because the weeping happens every single year. Yeah. And so that's how they know it's the end of the year because the weeping starts, um, which is interesting. But so he's sitting out on the roof just getting absolutely drenched, thinking about the things that are going on. Um, Roshone hasn't been seen much lately because he's been mourning his son. Uh, you know, things are just kind of if iffy in the town right now like there's not a lot happening absolutely um and as he's sitting up there tn shows up and starts to like talk to him and he's like why are you still up here you know they're just kind of hanging out and they're talking about the fact that tn likes the rain and we find out that uh tn's been um he's been taken as a carpenter's apprentice yeah and he made cal he made Kaladin a little wooden horse. Yeah. And it's beautiful. Like, I, it's such a beautiful artifact. I love Tien. I love Tien, too. And Kaladin's like, Tien, this is amazing. Does, does your master know how good this is? Yeah. And he's like, well, I showed it to him, and he thought it was nice, but he wants me to make a chair. I mean, uh, yeah. If you're a carpenter, though, yeah, I guess. Yeah. 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 It but sucks. still, I love art, that Tien made him this thing. Art is a feminine art in this world. Yes. So it sucks because if he, he could be an artist, basically yes. what we've seen is he he understands the beauty of nature. He understands colors. He understands how colors work. He understands sculpture. If if in our world, Tian could be a, a beautiful, wonderful artist. Oh, for sure. But in this world, he's a man, and that sucks for I him. I know. Um, and then while they're sitting there, Kaladin tells Tian that uh, their dad spent another one of the spheres. And, yeah. and Tian's like, well, it's fine. We still got plenty left. And Kaladin's like, yeah, but... Rashon is trying to wear us down. He's trying to smother us. Like this is not smother. good. Smother. 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 <laughs> um, Sorry. He's trying to smother them. And Kaladin's like, "This is really bad." And Tian's like, "No, it's fine. It's not as bad as you think it is. Like you'll see, it's not that bad. It'll be okay." And so they're just kind of sitting there. And his mom comes out, and she's like, "Why are you two on the roof? What are you guys talking about?" And so she goes up and sits with them. I love their mother, by the way. I really like Hasina too. She's she's, she's so sweet. sweet. Um, and she goes and sits up on the roof with them. And uh, Tian tells her that Kaladin's worried about father spinning the spheres. And she's like, it's fine. You don't need to worry about it. You'll be old enough to leave for Carbonth in two months. We'll have plenty for you to go. It'll be okay. And Kaladin's like, why don't you guys just come with me? 
Mm-hmm. Like, can you just leave the town? And the uh, Tian's like, no, I like it here. I don't want to leave. Um, and basically, we find out during this conversation that Tian or uh, Cowden's father, so Cowden Tian's father, is spending the spheres to try and trick Rashon into thinking that he's winning. Yeah, there's the there's a sentence of of Tasita being like, "It's observant that you noticed that," and then she says, "Sure, did you notice what when we bought them?" He said, "The day after the accident, what did we buy? Bandages." And do we have bandages? Yeah, but still. And Tasita's like, "Think one step beyond doom and destruction, Kaladin," which is honestly it, it's tough when you're. Cowden's very clearly a symbol of depression in this book. Like if you yeah. if you've wondered, he struggles with that, and it's so clear because I I. I have this a lot where I, I feel like, okay, I, if I have friends, people who have struggled with this kind of thing. Yeah. And it's, it's, I, I try and do the Hasina of like, think one step farther past. This yeah. moment feels terrible, but think tomorrow yeah. and that kind of a thing. And it, I think, I think Hasina's doing that for Khaled. And I, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's so sweet. I love how motherly she is. She does I a great job. I love Hasina so much. So she basically tells, she says, here I'll read this. She says, uh, we'll keep spending the spheres one every few weeks, partially to live, though my family has offered supplies, more to keep her shown thinking that we're bending, and then we send you away unexpectedly. You'll be gone, the spheres safely in your hands of the in the hands of the Ardens to use as a stipend during your stipend. stipend, sorry, during your years of study. Um that word is also split in the two uh, Yeah. So I, I was like, huh? I, yeah. I think it's super interesting, Sydney, how good of a reader you are, because I think you you I read in full words. It seems like you read in sounds because when a word is split, you always get it wrong. I I know. It's It's crazy to me. (laughs) It's just funny. Like, I really kind of wish that books didn't split words like that. Like, it kind of bugs me that words or books split words instead of just, you know how like on Google Docs or if you're typing like an essay, the word doesn't split. It just goes to the next line. I wish books did that too because it bugs me having to read them and be like, okay, I have to like, weirdly read this that is a good question actually because why no other medium splits words like this yeah i don't know um anyways weird i never thought about that before you're right (laughs) yeah anyways they start talking about kaladin uh in his trip and what he's gonna learn and the scene basically tells him you know you don't have to learn just to be a surgeon you could learn like math math history politics like sciences and kaladin's like well those are women things and his is like it doesn't matter men can learn them too you don't have to, basically she's saying you don't have to be a surgeon we'll be proud of you if you decide to be a surgeon yeah but you are welcome and to learn other things as well and to do other things as well which Man, I, I love, love her Hasina. for that yeah she, this might genuinely that be the highest ranking hasina's ever got for me because oh she, for sure this is such a good motherly moment uh-huh. i love hasina yeah i really love her um, but as they're sitting there talking about this, uh, Liren comes out, so th- uh, their father, and he's like, why are all three of you on the roof? Like, he literally is like, what the heck? Um, and basically we find out that uh, Rashon is coming out in public to, like, have a speech. And so yeah. they all three of them, or all four of them, sorry, uh, go out to uh, to watch his appearance. And so they, they head out there. And uh, when, they, uh, when they get there... Um, Rashon comes out of his carriage, which has become a lot more worn down. It's not as nice as it was when he first got there. And he has gained weight. And yeah, looks like he's gained weight. He looks like he's struggling. Yeah. And Cowden thinks about, oh, I wonder where uh, where Laryl is. And yeah. then Laryl pops out, and she is wearing what is called a uh, bride's prayer. Yeah. Which she's supposed to burn when sh- they announce that she's getting married. And we find out that she's going to be married to Rashon. So even though Riller is dead, mm-hmm. Rashon has decided he wants her advantages that mm-hmm. she can provide because of her family. 
And so now she's going to marry Rashon. She's the age which of, is wait, disgusting because she's like fifteen years old. Yeah, she's the age of Kaladin. Kaladin is currently what 20, 18, something like that. I think he's like nineteen. Kaladin is. Yeah, this was five years ago. That so means she's be, nearly around fourteen. Uh huh. Fourteen, fifteen. Uh huh. And Rashon's probably like oh, fifty. Rashon, I never did that math before. Yeah, not that's, great. That's not great, Rashon. No, not. Oh man. Not good. Oh, gross. Yeah, gross. Um, and Kaladin doesn't like this idea. No, no, no. Which no, is no. 100% fair. The only time I've agreed with Kaladin in his depresso mode. Like, oh, I, even if you're not depressed, I would be upset about this because that's that's weird and not okay. Um, and Kaladin wants to do something about it. And uh, uh, his dad's like, Kaladin, you can't do anything about this. There's nothing you can do. Um, so they're standing there waiting. For Rashon to start talking, and we meet Amaram for the first time. So, if you remember, Amaram was the uh, the like the lieutenant, the bright lord that um, Kaladin. Kaladin was yeah. under in the beginning of the book. And he he the bright lord that he at anytime we talked about him in previous times thinks of very highly. I really like Amaram. I don't think he, I don't miss interaction. I don't dislike Amaram. Did we hear anything modern Kaladin? He he hates all light eyes. Modern Kaladin would hate Amaram. Anyway. Yeah. But previous Kaladin, like all old time Kaladin, said good things about Amaran. Yeah. Amaran. Okay. Yeah, I like Amaran. From this interaction, I don't dislike him. Well, yeah. Read read the interaction. What happens? Yeah. Okay. So, um, <laughs> Amaran starts talking about the fact that they're here to re- he's re- here to recruit. Yeah. Because they need volunteers. They need people for the for the army because they just don't have they don't have enough soldiers. And so he's here to start recruiting. And he asks for volunteers first. And so a couple people volunteer. Not a whole lot, but a few few people volunteer. And he's very nice about it. Like, he's very, like, at one point, someone, like, one of the farm boys volunteers, and the mom is like, but the crops, and Amaran's response is, he says, your crops are important, Dark Woman, but not nearly as important as the defense of our plains. The king sends back riches from the plundered plains, and the gemstones he has captured can provide food for a left cart in emergency. You two are both welcome. Are there any others? He's just very, like, respectful about what is happening here, which... I appreciate because a lot of the light eyes in this book don't seem to be. Yeah, so I appreciate f- that he is very, very respectful about this whole situation. It's also the first time I've I've heard a light eyed person refer to a dark eyed person in like a dark woman, which sounds almost like a slightly respectful title. Yes, like it doesn't I sound agree. like it's, it doesn't sound demeaning really. Yeah, I agree. Which I appreciate because it does. Mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of light eyes have been towards demeaning towards yes. general dark eyed pop- um, populations, and so. He asks for more volunteers, doesn't get any more. And so he says, okay, fine. Rashon, we need your list after all. And yeah. so we find out that Rashon has made a list of people he wants to send if they don't get enough uh, volunteers. Yeah. And so he starts listing off people. And Liren looks at Kaladin and he's like, he can't take you because you're we're of the second non and provide an essential function. And you are my only apprentice. So th- they cannot take you. So Kaladin cannot be be chosen by law. He's exempt from being taken. Wait, can I can I read this little thing? Yeah. And the woman reading the list says, Habrin, son of Afric, Jorin, son of Lotz, Tien, son of Liren. No! <laughs> Not Kieran. Oh, I knew it was going to happen. To be honest, that's a pretty good play by Rashon, though. Oh, for sure. Checkmate. And so basically, we've learned that this is Rashon's revenge for them not saving Riller. Yeah. His plan is they're sending they're sending Tian because you know he uh, can't send Kaladin, so he wants to take at least one of uh, Liren's sons. 
That is his plan. And uh, when this when Tien's called, he's like freaking out, which is 100% fair. Um, he's freaking out. And Liren's like, wait a minute. He's too young. Like, he's not old enough to go. What are you doing? And Amaran says, in the cities, youths as young as eight and nine are accepted into the military. And Liren's like, yeah, but they're to be trained as officers. They they're aren't light set eyes. into. They aren't sent into battle. Yeah, they're light they're, eyes. Yeah, they're trained as officers, not as soldiers. You're fighting. You're going to die at eight. Yeah. And Amaran's like, he turns to Rashon and is like, look, I don't have time for your petty politics. Which, Rashon's his cousin, which is interesting. Yeah. He's like, I don't have time for this. Is there another person you can choose? Which I respect Amaran for this too. He's because like, he doesn't want Liren, he doesn't want Tien to have to go. As soon as he as, as soon as he realized that this was the surgeon, yeah. he's like, he basically pieces together instantly and goes, Rashon, are you joking? Yeah. And I appreciate that also. Yes. Like, come on, Rashon. Which is he, why I don't dislike Amaran because yeah. he he seems very respectful to people below him. Like actually. And, yeah. And Rashon's like, well, it's my choice. Like, yeah. I, I'm i doing this under the law. And Amaran turns and says, I'm sorry. There's nothing I can do. Yeah. Like, he, he, you can tell he kind of feels bad about this. There is nothing he can do. Like, Rashon is legally able to do this. And, um, like, it's just, it's not, it's not great. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel Rashon's just an absolute butthole yep. to Liren. And it's just, it's not great. And oh. Amaran... I do appreciate Amaran for this. Amaran promises to make him just a runner boy for a year or two yep. until he's older, yep. which I really, really appreciate him for that. So, Because the conscription is for a certain number of years. like then It's can, four years, and then they're able to come back with a bunch of riches. They and get like, paid to come. They get paid yeah. to come back, or they can stay for longer and have the chance of moving up like in a non, Yeah, um, which is cool, I guess. But they'll be first non then. He'd basically be a light eyes if he moved up a rank. Yes. So I don't think that would be a... Uh, no. People wouldn't want him to do that because they don't like other powerful people. <laughs> yeah. Um. But I, I do appreciate Amaran for being willing to just have him yeah. as a runner boy and not putting him into the heart of battle. Yeah. I, I appreciate him a lot for that. Um. But Liren's kind of like accepting defeat and isn't really sure what to do. And so Amaran starts to like turn around and head off. And Kaladin's sitting there like... Tien is freaking out. Like, Tien is so scared. He, you can just tell by the look on his face that he's scared, and Kaladin's scared for him. And so he decides something, and he shouts, Bright Lord Amaran. Amaran turns around and says, and Kaladin says, I want to take Tien's place instead. And Rashon's like, No! Sorry, that was aggressive. <laughs> wow, that was really that loud. Was, that was the, oh that gosh. was, I hope, I'm sorry, I hope I didn't blow any listener speakers. <laughs> you blew out my ears, I think. Because that was, I said we're going to jazz this episode. We're going to chill and be jazzed this episode. But then I screamed. <laughs> Man. Oh, goodness. That's what I call a jump scare. I apologize. <laughs> yeah, seriously. I actually made myself scared. <laughs> you made me scared, too. That wasn't intentional. Oh, late Halloween. Late Halloween. <laughs> Boo. Continue. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, um, Rashawn's like, no, the losses that I pick. And Amram's like, yeah, I, it's not wrong. And Kaladin's like, well, fine. I'll go with him. Because his plan is he's going to try and protect Tien. And the only way he can do that is to go with him and protect him. And I feel so bad for Hasina and Liren because now they've lost both of their children. Yeah. And Liren says that. He says, why have you done this to me after all our plans? And I just, I feel so bad. But Kaladin turns to Tien and Tien looks at him and says, thank you. Yeah. Because Tien was terrified to be on his own. And so that's basically the chapter ends with Kaladin saying that in four years I will bring him home safely. Yeah. And that's, that's his promise. Um, and that just that makes me so sad because we know that doesn't happen. 
Well, here's also part of the thing. Liren's kind of terrible for saying, I've lost both of you. But also, all of his life for the past however many years has been devoted to making sure Kaladin can go to become a surgeon. Yeah. He's done lies and tricks and, and schemes to make sure Kaladin has a good life. And then Kaladin went and signed up for that. Yeah. So the first time reading this, I hated Liren's reaction here because, like, what Kaladin's doing is noble, trying to protect his brother. Like, that's good. But then I do kind of get, though, Liren's feeling of, like, I've wasted the years. There's yeah. so many years I spent well, also, with my only purpose getting you into war. Yes. Or well, into 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 surgeons. Yes. Well, also, he probably realizes that there's a solid chance he's going to – both of his sons are going to die. Right. Which I think when I first read that, that's what I thought is he realizes that, oh, my gosh, my sons are both going to war. They could and probably likely might die. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a solid chance that they're not coming back from this. Yeah, and, you know, we know one of them did, and the other one is cursed for to eternal life, it looks like. Doesn't matter how mm. bad the situation's in, he never can die. Poor Tien. We know Tien didn't make it. Yeah, we know he did. Kalen has talked about it enough times. To be fair, we've so known he's sad. dead since the get-go, though. Yeah. Um... Yeah, it's it's sad. I, I'm sad about it. Poor I'm, Tien. I'm also sad. Uh we don't have theories, right? Because we know we know at some like we kind of really. know the next I few mean, stages of things. We know that, that Tien dies eventually. Yeah. I don't know exactly how he dies, but I assume it's in battle somehow. Yeah. And I will let you know that in the next few in the I think next week's reading, we do get a lot of the answers to what happens next. Yeah. So Okay, cool. Sweet. Back to it. Now it's my turn. Uh, I am chapter 45. It's called Shades Mar, um, which I don't think that word comes up in the rest of the chapter. I'll keep you updated if it does. But uh, Sydney, I want you to do this. Think about what that word could mean because I don't, like I said, I don't think it comes up during the chapter, but I would like you to see if you can guess what Shades Mar is a reference to. I have a guess. Okay. Um, and then the little book bit says, says this. Yelignar. Book bit, book bit, book, book bit. Big, book, sorry, book. I got distracted and sorry. didn't think to do that before. So, sorry, like, let me let me just let me just pretend like that. The little book bit says, "Book bit, book bit, book you bit." You also <laughs> forgot to say it again. I was even preparing you. Okay, I did it. It says Yelignar, called Brightwind, was one that could speak like a man, though often his voice was accompanied by the wails of those he consumed. <laughs> and then that was that was from uh, the little notes from. Uh, uh, What's her name? The Yasna. Yasna bit. Yasna bit. Yasna bit. The Yasna bit. That doesn't work at all. The Yasna yapping says the Yasna unmade yapping. were obviously fabrications of folklore. Curiously, most were not considered individuals, but instead personifications of kinds of destruction. This quote is from Taxil, line thirty-three, considered a primary source, though I doubt it is authentic. Yasna yapping. Yasna yapping. That, that doesn't work either. It's too long. Yas yap. Yas yap. Yeah. <laughs> um. My, I do like calling it Yasna yapping, though. That's kind of, yeah. <laughs> um, my thing about this is that I think it's funny that up until, like, last week sort of confirmed that it was Yasna's writing at the beginning of these chapters. But if somebody was not super observant in that section, they could still be like, what in the world is this talking about? <laughs> yeah. All right. Now we move on. The book opens. Shallan is back to reading more of King Gavilar's uh, 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 biography. And, yeah, just reading about the first Autobiography. No, it was it was written by Yasna. Oh. So it was dictated by, I guess, it is an autobiography, but well, Yasna's the hand yes. that wrote it. Yeah, but there's it's, a couple different things yeah. we read. We read, like, one from him, one from his wife yeah, or her widow, I guess, and then one from no, someone else was with it. Probably, oh, Nivani. it was an ardent. It was an ardent. Yeah. One from, like one from 
him, one from Navani, yeah. one from Anarden. Okay, sorry, continue. So basically, Shalon's just doing some research. I'm not going to read what it actually says. It's just kind of research. Yeah. Uh, but then um, Shalon suddenly out loud asks, why was he so interested in them? And he says, your mother insists in, his, in her biography that he wasn't a scholar, but he was interested in the in the Parshendi, even before he couldn't have known about their shard blades. Um, so basically what, what she learns is, for some reason, this man who was very clearly never interested in scholarly things before this is incredibly interested in this scholarly thing. Yeah. And Yasin says, very observant of you. Uh, a lot of people argue without ever having noticed that, essentially, which I think is interesting. Um, yeah, nothing really important there happens other than that, right? Yeah. Just got to talk about that Yasna finds it. And uh, Shalon asks, why are you making me research this? You've already done a bunch of research on this. Yeah. Um, and Yasna says, I feel a fresh perspective may be of value. Um, and it's it's interesting. Yasna's just basically making her research because she wants to see what Shalon would think of it. Not because she thinks Shalon can solve it, but because she thinks... I do think there's more to, to it than that. Like, Maybe. I get that's what she's saying... But I think, I mean, I think that's probably the main reason she wants to see Yasna's perspective on it. But she does say that she wonders if maybe there's something that Yasna has missed and that Shalon might have seen. Yeah. Like, might, like she thinks that Shalon might spot something that um, Yasna has missed. And so I think that maybe there's a little bit more to it than that. Like, she kind of wants to see if, you know, there's something that Shalon can figure out that Yasna can't. Because she was there and lived through it. All right. I really do appreciate that input, Sydney. Thank you. Why did you say that so sarcastically? No, because I was going to just move on. And then I remembered that a couple weeks ago, I said I was going to start acknowledging <laughs> your helpful input. Thank you. <laughs> I I hate listening to old episodes because you'll say something and I'll go, all right. And then I'll keep talking. <laughs> and so I, I want to acknowledge your, your statements more. Well, thank you for acknowledging me. Now I'm going to talk to the audience. Audience, acknowledge me. Um, these next two chapters, this one and the following one, have some very important moments, as Sydney can attest. Um, and so, specifically this one, this one more than the other. There are a few, I might do more than one dramatic reading of this chapter, which I normally try and avoid because I know that they can get old for a minute. That's okay. But just so you know, we're going to do quite a, we're going to do at least a couple. I can think of at least two that are going to happen. Dramatic readings. Dramatic, dramatic readings. readings. So, uh, I guess what the point of, <laughs> the point of me saying this is be ready because here comes one right about now. What is Yirithiru? Shalon found herself asking instead. To her surprise, Yasna answered without hesitation. Yirithiru was said to be the center of the Silver Kingdoms, a city that held ten thrones, one for each king. It was the most majestic, most amazing, most important city in all the world. Really? Why hadn't I heard of it before? Because it was abandoned even before the Lost Radiance turned against mankind. Most scholars consider it just a myth. The Ardens refused to speak of it due to its association with the Radiance, and therefore with the first major failure of Voronism. Much of what we know about the city comes from fragments of lost works quoted by classical scholars. Many of those classic works have, themselves, survived only in pieces. Indeed, the single complete works we have found from the early years is The Way of Kings, and that is only because of Veneral's efforts. Shalon nodded slowly. If there were ruins of a magnificent ancient city hidden somewhere, Natanatan, unexplored, overgrown, wild, would be the natural place to find them. Eurothero is not in Nottenotten, Yasna said, smiling. But a good guess, Shalon. Return to your studies. The weapons, Shalon said. Yasna raised an eyebrow. The Parshendi, 
They carried beautiful weapons of fine etched steel. Yet they used skin drums with crude handprints on the sides and lived in huts of stone and creme. Doesn't that strike you as incongruous? Yes, I would certainly describe that as an oddity. Then... I assure you, Shalon, Yasa said, the city is not there. But you are interested in the Shattered Plains. You spoke of them with Bright Lord Dalinar through the span read. I did. What were the Voidbringers? Now that Yasna was actually answering, perhaps she'd say, what were they really? Yasna studied her with a curious expression. Nobody knows for sure. Most scholars consider them, like Eurythiru, mere myths, while theologians accept them as counterparts of the Almighty, monsters that dwelled in the hearts of men, much as the Almighty once lived there. But... Return to your studies, child, Yasna said, raising her book. Perhaps we will speak of this more another time. So... Turns out, if Shalon just asks, Yasna will tell her the thing she's studying. I mean, honestly, <laughs> that seems like logical sense, right? Yeah. It also gives us some it gives us some uh, cool details about what do you think? What do you think about Eurythiru? Tell me, tell me all your thoughts. You know about Eurythiru so far? It's the city that she's been studying. I have no thoughts about Eurythiru. Okay. To be honest with you, absolutely, <laughs> completely <laughs> fair. No, I got nothing for you. But Sorry. <laughs> you're good. I think it's super funny that. Uh, this entire book, this happens a few times with Yasna and Shalon. Shalon's treating something very mysterious and eventually bucks up and asks and is like, oh, Yasna will just tell me. Yeah. Because she's chill and trusts me. And it it really bugs me. This One thing that bugs me about their their whole deal is that whole interactions that they keep yeah. doing. Because it's just like, try asking first, Shalon. You yeah. don't need to break into her house to see this. Yasna will tell you everything she knows. Well, not everything. She'll tell you the basics of what she knows. She'll tell you. She will answer your questions if you ask the right ones. Yep. Anyway, uh, Shalon, uh, Shalon basically then says, I need a new book. I'm going to go look for it. And Yasin says, very well. And very clearly, Shalon is using this as a, like, Shalon just says, I wanted to leave and, and escape into this library and Yasna, where, where Yasna won't find me. And so yeah. she she goes down into the library to see what she could discover on about the Voidbringers on her own. So basically... What she's doing is, I know where this is. I'm going to go pretend like I don't know where it is in order to f- look at other books and then return with the, cor- the book I said I was going to look yeah. for. So, Which like, makes sense. Yeah, but also just a little slimy, but that's okay. I'm sure Yasna knows, to be honest. I mean, yeah, she's gone for two hours. Oh, for sure. Shalon says two hours later, she's sitting at a desk and she is uh, using her spheres to, to read about the Voidbingers. Uh and she said once one of her things is, fun, is funny is she said it seems that everyone knew something about the Voidbringers. So like just found a lot of things that say kind of conflicting weird things about Voidbringers. Yeah. Unsure exactly what they are still. Uh, Shalon thinks I should have known I'd have trouble finding anything solid. Yasa has been researching this for months, maybe years. What did I expect to find in a few hours? Yeah, fair. Very fair. Yeah, exactly. And then our best boy Capsule shows up. Capsule! And Capsule just like walks in, uh, fa- finds her in the library and, and says, Shalon, what are you doing here? Yasa said you were looking for Tiffindor. <laughs> Tiffindor. Tiffindor. <laughs> I'm, from, I'm from the house Tiffindor. What are you from? <laughs> I'm from Hoffenhoff. Tiffindor. Uh, and Yasa- Tiffindor is what Tiffindor sounds like. Yes, exactly. That's, that's the <laughs> joke know. I've been making. I got <laughs> I hope you do. I no, hope you I do have it. I got that. Okay. I just was clarifying. <laughs> <laughs> That's so funny, Sydney. Oh, goodness. Anyway, uh, Shalon lies and says she got turned around and uh, Capsule, Capsule says that was that was a bad lie. <laughs> and then Sh- Shalon says, Yasa's training can be exhausting. 
so I sometimes find a quiet corner to relax and compose myself. It's the only time I get to be alone. And then she basically admits that that is also a lie, but is that a bet? <laughs> Would you accept that lie? And Capsule's like, fine, good enough lie. <laughs> um. Anyway, uh, they are going... They, they Essentially now, because Castle came, Shalon's like, time to go back to Ka- to Yasna, I guess. Yeah. And they start walking that way. And uh, she, basically, she just refuses to answer. She keeps changing the topic about what she was doing to Capsule. Yeah. Which is cool. I like that. And they're basically walking. That's basically what they're doing. They're Capsule's walking and talking. Flirting. Capsule's flirting. They're walking. As one does. And Shalon kind of feels bad about it. They also talk about these these halls are weird. Like it's in capsule shows that most of this existed when we found it. We carved some rooms into the walls, but like the pattern exists and was created by the Almighty. And Shalon said, "Why didn't you show me that pattern in the sand?" And he said, "We haven't found the noise yet." And essentially, he believes that there also is a sand pattern that would make this pattern, which is weird. I mean, yeah, that it, whole idea is confusing to me. What part of it? Uh, no, like I, I get it, but like it it's a bad argument. It's not a good, not a good argument. Yes, I feel that happens pretty often. In like, not just like, um, let me rephrase. In most religious things, a lot of the like logic explanations feel like a stretch to me, because a lot of it is just going to be trusting, no matter what, like religion yeah. you're following, yeah. book or real. Yeah. And so when it's like, here is logical evidence, I can almost always be like, ah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. Anyway, um. So that this this book does a good job, I guess, of capturing that element of religion, I guess. Yeah. Um, and Shalana says, what about the Dawn Singers? They could have maybe made it. And he says, Dawn Singers weren't able to do that. They're kind of like a spren, essentially. And You know, theory. What? Maybe Sill is a Dawn, Dawn Singer. A, a Dawn Singer. That's a good theory. Well, because he says they're like spren. Yeah. So that's my theory now. Then uh, Shalana says, kind of like the opposite of Voidbringers. And he says, I suppose you could say that. It seemed like she was trying to get more about Voidbringers out right there, but it didn't come out it in that didn't, moment. Yeah, it didn't work. Uh, Good try. They're still going around. And Capsule says, if you think to distract me with this conversation, you won't be successful. I sat up there with your disapproving mistress for well over an hour. And let me say, that was not a pleasant experience. I think <laughs> she knows I still intend to try and convert her. Shalon basically tells, her what, tells him what she's studying. It's a whole conversation. Is there anything important in this conversation that I'm missing if I just skip forward, Sydney? Um... Not really. They, they just kind of talk about about the Voidbringers a little bit. Though. They don't know much about them, but they do believe they were real. And they're and the the Voronism is embarrassed about them because they're like the showing of the first failing of Voronism yeah. from the the day that they got betrayed. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. And then later on, I like this little section. Shalon says, uh, that she doesn't buy the explanation about the Voidbringer. She thinks there's something else. Yeah. And he says, I thought you were a believer, and I love this response. I am, but just because I honor the Almighty doesn't mean I'm going to accept any explanation capsule. It might be religion, but it still has to make sense. And I fair enough. I same deal I have with with uh, organized religion in general is like, yes, I can I can tr- think this is true, but you need more logic than trust. Yeah, sometimes sometimes yeah. you need some logic. Um, anyway, or let me rephrase. Sometimes an explanation for a thing that I believe to be true needs to be better. That's it. Not just yeah. fully logic, but like this happened. How? Uh, yeah. Just did. <laughs> Just did. Anyway, back to what we were saying. Uh, they basically keep walking around. She finds the book that she's was lying and said that she needed to grab. Yes. And they go back to 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 Yasna. Yeah. Um. Oh wait, no, they don't go to Yasna. Yasna. Well, yet. Shalon reveals something important. Yes. Shalon tells him that she's leaving. 
partly because they've been flirting. Capsule's yeah. flirting real hard. Hard. And hard. Shalon's not sure how to feel about this, which is interesting because I thought Shalon also liked him, but now Shalon's like, I'm not really sure I do like him like that. But yeah. Capsule certainly does. Um, And also, really quick, sorry, I missed this too. She tells her, she tells him that she, that, Yasna is studying Voidbringers and she says, I, I don't really know why. And he says, don't you see? She's trying to prove that the Voidbringers weren't real. She wants to demonstrate that this was all a fabrication of the Radiance. She wants to prove that once and for all that the Devotaries and Voronism are a gigantic fraud. That would, that's what this is about. And Shalon says, maybe, but that doesn't seem very much like her. And he says, haven't, haven't we been scourged uh, or scourged, scourged enough? Scourged? What's that word? Where? Haven't we been blank enough? Scourged? But, scourged. Okay. I haven't, don't know. Haven't we been scourged enough? The Ardents are no threat to her. We're not a threat to anyone these days. We can't own property. Damnation. We're property ourselves. We dance to the whims of the city lords and warlords, afraid to tell them the truth of their sins for fear of retribution. We're white spines without tusks or claws, expected to sit at our master's feet and offer praise. Yet this is real. It's all real. And they ignore us and... And then he cuts off seeing Shalon get all like off put by this. Yeah, I think it's scourged. Scourged. Uh still, you get the idea. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that basically, dude is mad because he's decided that what she's researching for is to prove Warrenism wrong. Yes. And it makes him so mad at Sh- like Yasna, like so mad at Yasna. Also, I feel like Capsule kind of just hates being an ardent. Yeah. Like, I don't think he actually wants to be an artist anymore. That's the vibes I'm getting from this interaction. And after this interaction is when she reveals to Capsule she's leaving. And he basically feels, it feels like he crumbles. He he gets all He's weird. in love with her. Yeah. My my man is head over heels for Shalon. And he's like, what do I do now? Yeah. Uh, also, Capsule had heard that her father is being more reclusive. So she's like, crap, it's spreading. Yeah. It's got this far. People know that he's, he's something's weird. Uh, and he says, do you know when you're leaving? And it's a suddenly like weirdly put together. And she says tomorrow morning. Well, then will you at least do me the honor of sketching me? You've never given me a likeness, though. You've done many other ardents. And she's like, oh, crap, you're right. And quickly feeling like she feels terrible for him. Yeah. She rushes him to back to the place where, where, uh, Yasna is. Yeah. And this is when she's confused about how she feels about him and how he feels about her. Yeah. Because it does like. It seems like he's falling in love with her, but she doesn't feel that same way back. And she's like, I feel like I should feel that way, yeah. but I don't, which is a weird position to be in for anybody. And also he gave the worst. He just said, for me, the biggest relationship sin you can say. Um, we're property. Basically, she, he says, I shouldn't have been uh, like courting you. And she says, you're allowed to court. And he says, we're property. A man's right can be protected at the same time that he is discouraged from exercising them. I've avoided work. I've disobeyed my superiors. In courting you, I've also courted trouble. And she says, I didn't ask you to do that because he's blaming her for some reason. Yeah. And he says, you didn't discourage me. Shut up, Capsule. Mm. What a butthole move. Make her feel bad for this thing she already feels bad about. Yeah. What a terrible man move. I hate that. I know. I liked Capsule, but. That's that's gross. No. That's that's just gross. That's not the way to go about it. Blame her for your feelings? That's gross. I feel like the more we've gotten to know Capsule, the less I like him. Yeah. I think we did throw him onto the our top five last week because I liked him. Yeah. But now, you just don't say that. Don't. I feel like he's trying to make her feel bad for leaving. 
guilt. And I'm like, dude, you can't guilt trip her into staying. Guilt relationships never work. Don't do guilt relationships. That's wrong. Yeah, it is um, wrong. Anyway, I that line when I read it, I like genuinely real life cringe because that's gross. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, they get back to where uh, Yasna is and she starts, she sketches him. Yeah. And that's it. And she's in her head a lot. She doesn't know. Um, she she has a lot of emotions as she does this sketch. Yeah. That's it. She just is, is very, very in her head emotional about it. Yeah. And she gives the gives the sketch to him. And he says, he tries to give her a sphere. And she's like, no. And he's like, please let me give me this freaking sphere. Dude's a baby. I don't understand. Anyway. Uh, and then he then he asks her for another one of the two of them. Yeah. And so he says, oof. I want to give you something. Please do another one. And then I'll give you the sphere. Yeah. And so she starts drawing one of the two of them together. Well, first she holds up a mirror and gets the image in her brain. Yeah. And then starts drawing it. And she's really in her head about it, freaking out, thinking about all the stuff she has to do, thinking about how worried and stressful she is. Yeah. Um. Then she was like, maybe I could stay and send the Fabriel in a message. Well, no, I can't do that because I don't trust that it won't get No, into. do that. And I then, want you to do that, Shalom. When she started talking about this, my thought was, yes. This is how she's staying. And then she, and then, uh, yeah. she does think, could Shalon really stay here? Stay here, Accepting ya- freely Yasna's given tutelage after what she'd done? And Shalon's like, yeah, I could. I could I could do that. Send um, the, the, the soul caster away so you can stay. Do it, Shalon. Do it. That's how I feel. She said, and also she says, eventually I'd come back because I, I, would, I would come back eventually, but I just needed to go back now. And basically after she's sketching, she's sketching lots and lots, very, very quick. Um, I actually want to read this paragraph real quick. Okay. Her sketching grew more and more fervent. She finished the figures and moved on to the backgrounds. Quick, bold lines became the floor and the archway behind. A scribbled dark smudge for the sides of the desk, casting a shadow. Crisp, thin lines for the lantern sitting on the floor. Sweeping, breeze-like lines to form the legs and robes of the creature standing behind. Shalon froze. Uh-oh. <laughs> Who's there? It's the figureheads, whatever those, the yeah, symbol heads. Yeah, the like, symbol head things. Shalon panics, gets up, sprints out of the room. She's freaks out, uh... She she's panicking so much and um she runs away very fast. She's she's very nervous. Oh, I don't blame her. I would be too after this after what happens here, I would be nervous too. Yeah. And she gets on the lift and has the 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 parshendi on the lift. Or not sorry, the parshendi on the lift lower her. And she looks up and takes another image and draws that. And over the opening of the lift are two figureheads leaning over and looking down at her. That's terrifying. That image is like hor- straight out of a horror movie. Yes. Um, and she keeps, she keeps sketching. She's, she runs, runs through a place. There's people all around her. Her freaking bun comes undone. She's sprinting with her red hair flowing behind her. Yeah. Uh, I don't know why that, that really stuck with me. I don't know why he made such a point to notice that. <laughs> so that, that, that detail stuck with me. She runs, she cuddles up against the corner of a room. Draws, I would like to say real quick. Yeah. As she's running, she's sketching. Yeah. And every time she's sketching, she, they're getting closer to her. The figures are like right behind her the and, entire time. And there are more and more. First there was one, then there was two, now there's five. And now yeah. they're, and they're chasing her. Um, And then she finally gets back to her room, locks the door behind her, goes into her own chamber, closes the door, and huddles up on her bed. And against her will, she walks over and she, she she's like, I gotta know. And so she sketches the drawing of the room. And it's filled with them. Yes. So many all around her. I would like to do another dramatic reading. Okay. Here it goes. Oh, Stormfather, Shalon thought, charcoal pencil falling still. The room was empty, yet depicted right in front of her was an image of it crowded full of sleek figures. They were close enough that she should be able to feel them breathing, if they breathed. Was there a chill in the room? Hesitantly, terrified but unable to stop herself, Shalon dropped her pencil and raised her free hand to the right and felt something. 
She screamed then, jumping to her feet on her bed, dropping the pad, backing against the wall. Before she could consciously think of what she was doing, she was struggling with her sleeve, trying to get the Soulcaster out. It was the only thing she had resembling a weapon. No, that was stupid. She didn't know how to use it. She was helpless. Except... Storms, she thought frantic. I can't use that. I promised myself. She began the process anyway. Ten heartbeats to bring forth the fruit of her sin, the proceeds of her most horrific act. She was interrupted midway through by voice, uncanny yet distinct. What are you? She clutched her hand to her chest, losing her balance on the soft bed, falling to her knees on the rumpled blanket. She put one hand to the side, steadying herself on the nightstand, fingers brushing the large glass goblet that sat there. What am I? She whispered. I'm terrified. This is true. The bedroom transformed around her. The bed, the nightstand, her sketch pad, the walls, the ceiling, everything seemed to pop, forming into tiny, dark glass spheres. She found herself in a place with a black sky and a strange, small, white sun that hung on the horizon, too far away. Shalon screamed as she found herself in midair, falling backward in a shower of beads. Flames hovered nearby, dozens of them, perhaps hundreds, like the tips of candles floating in the air and moving in the wind. She hit something, an endless dark sea except it wasn't wet. It was made of the small beads, an entire ocean of tiny glass spheres. They surged around her, moving in an undulating swell. She gasped, flailing, trying to stay afloat. You want me to change? A warm voice said in her mind, distinct and different from the cold whisper she had heard earlier. It was deep and hollow and conveyed a sense of great age. It seemed to come from her hand, and she realized she was grasping something there. One of the beads. The movement of the ocean of glass threatened to tow her down. She kicked frantically, somehow managing to stay afloat. I've been as I am for a great long time, the warm voice said. I sleep so much. I will change. Give me what you have. I don't know what you mean. Please, help me. I will change. <laughs> so, Shalon has some weird vision thing here. But also, Shalon has a shard blade. Yep. Which means she probably had to kill a shard bearer for it. Maybe. That's my guess, because it's mm. her sin, so my guess is she killed somebody and then got it. All right. Do you have any guess about who? Um, not really. Fair um, enough. Fair enough. Um, all right. Yeah, also, I don't... other things that happened. Uh, let me tell you, after the, the voice says, I will change, she pops back into reality and finds the, go- the gold goblet next to her has been changed into blood. Yeah. Okay, so... I wonder if the voice is like the goblet. Mm. Does that make sense? Because well, the voice says, I I will change, and, and then, then it, changes. it changes. All right. Yeah, that's good. Or it's, and it either says, that I, or it's like the soul caster talking to her, if that makes sense. Okay. Um, One of the two. But she wasn't wearing the soul caster. She still yeah. somehow used it. Yes. But she wasn't wearing it. Yes. Any guesses about that? Um, She's got magical powers because <laughs> she's got a shard blade. I don't know. Shard blade powers. Whoop, whoop. Um, But no, she... Uh, basically, uh, uh, does some soul casting and accidentally changes the sh- the the goblet into blood. Yes, and then Yasna walks in. Shalon, are you okay? And she's in a room full of blood on the floor. And so while she was thrashing, by the way, she knocked a glass goblet over and it shattered. And so in a panic state, she's like, "How am I going to explain this? Unless she will know I sh- I soul casted if she sees it and know I stole her thing." How am I going to explain this? And so in a panic, right before Shalon, right before Yasna opens the door, Shalon slits her own wrist with the shard of glass in order to to make it look like not uh, great. Make in order to make it look like uh 
that's where the blood came from. Yeah. And then Yasta opens the door and finds Shalad huddled in a pile of blood with her wrist slit by glass. And she goes, oh, and immediately calls for help. Comes over, starts helping Shalon. Which is, I love that. Yeah. I love how much Yasna clearly cares because she followed Shalon to find out if she was okay, which I appreciate. Um, I'm really trying to think of characters that I know that could possibly be the person Shalon must have murdered. Yeah. But I can't, I can't think of anybody. Well, I really can't. Well, yeah. I, if you guessed correctly here, if you made this theory and guessed correctly, I would have given you $7. Like I, really? That, no, 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 no. But it would, have, it would have been so surprising to me if you managed to predict who, who, how she had that blade. Um, it's actually really interesting to me. I, mm, this book on a reread is also so good because of how much foreshadowing gets done in this book yeah because there are there are, if like i said if you guess correctly i would be super surprised because there are things that happen that you would have no way of knowing it's like i ask you to predict if you can but there's like this is another one of the things where i'm like you would have no way of having there's so many leaps of logic you I would have, have had question to make for you what's the question so we have the thought that um dark eyes can become light eyes if they win a shard blade mm. can um, light eyes go to dark eyes if they lose a shard, but, but I guess they would dead. <laughs> I guess their their eyes would get fizzled if they died. Um, that's I was gonna say. Well, but the shard blade can only be one if they kill them. Yeah. So never mind. Yeah. I was gonna say, can they go backwards? But that wouldn't make sense because they right. would be dead. So right. yeah, they'd be kind of going backwards anyways. Fair <laughs> never enough. Never mind. All right, you ready to get on to your chapter? Yes. Wait, Last- are there any other theories we need to talk about? What's gonna happen next? Um. I still think, well, Shalon's not going to be able to leave. Right. So she's not going to be able to go. Um, I think Yasna's going to figure out if Yasna, I feel like Yasna already knows. Mm. Like okay. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Yasna already knows. Okay. Um, But I do think she's going to find out. Yeah. If she doesn't. Yeah. All right. Sweet. No more theories about this. On to the next chapter. Yeah. Okay. So chapter 46, um, which is Child of Tanavast. Yeah. So the little book bit says- Wait. What was the title of the last chapter? Shadesmar. What was that about? Shadesmar? You, you, you said you had a five, I think I maybe that's like what the little figure things she was seeing are called. Those little guys are called Shadesmar? Yeah. Okay. That so, makes sense to me. Shade, yeah. they're dark figures. Fair. I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. That's that was guess. my only thought. I like that guess. Um, I really hope somebody listening is is doing the thing where they keep track of your guesses and how right and wrong you That'd are. That'd be so cool to see. I would, like to see I would like to see your stats. <laughs> me too. I also would like to see my stats. Okay. Chapter 46. So the little book bit says... Book bit, book bit, book, book bit, book bit. <laughs> so it says, Though I was due for dinner in Vedin City that night, I insisted upon visiting Kolinar to speak with Tivbet. The tariffs through through were growing quite unreasonable. By then, the so-called radiance had already begun to show their true nature. And then Yasna's... Uh, what do we call it? Uh, Yasna's... Yasna's yapping. Yeah. Yasna's yapping says, Following the firing of the original Polanyi... Palinium? Palinium. Palinium. You're right. Yep. Only one page of Terxim's, oh, these names are so hard, yeah. autobiography remained, and this is the only line of any use to me. Yep. Um. So Kaladin's having some weird vision dream, and so he's he's dreaming that he is a high storm. Yeah. And so he's raging forward. He's going over all these places he knows. He starts in the Shattered Plains. He goes through the chasms. He goes like through Kolinar and all these different places. He goes over mountains and all these things, and he's just... Blowing away. He sees different cultures yeah. and people and things. It's he really cool. Things you have no way of knowing about he's uh, seeing. Yeah, he's and seeing. And what does he see that's, that's cool? Yeah, so he gets to this this city and he goes through like the building because someone left a window unlocked or opened or whatever. He sees he goes, flashes. Well, he sees flashes of light that he wants to look at. Yeah, so he goes through this building and he spots a Shin man. Wait, can I read? 
He goes to the building and he everybody what he sees. Yeah. A man stood over two corpses, his pale head shaved, his clothing white. The murderer held a long, thin sword in one hand. He looked up from his victims and almost seemed to see Kaladin. He had large shin eyes. It's Seth. On what is he doing? Murdering people. Remember his the last his, time we yeah. seen Zeth. Yep. He's murdering kings. So it's never con- it's not confirmed that it's Zeth, but, but it's Zeth. I'm pretty confident it's Zeth. Yeah. Um. So that's that's cool, and that's all that Kaladin sees of this, and he moves on, and he hears suddenly a voice that says, "Child of Tanavest." You got to do the voice. Want me to do it? Yes. Child of Tanavest. Child of honor. Child of one long since departed. The oath pact was shattered. Men ride the storms no longer. The oath pact is broken, child of honor. And then, can I keep going? Yeah. Well, Kaladin says, I don't understand. And then he, the, the, the voice says, Odium comes, most dangerous of all the 16. You will now go. Wait, why is there so much war? Must we always fight? Odium reigns. And then Kaladin wakes up. <laughs> And what was happening to... Well, first... Let's, well, Kaladin saw the You want to talk about father. that before we keep going? Yeah. What, what just happened? What was that? Well, Kaladin sees the same face he saw before when he was in the storm. Storm father. So he sees the storm father. Um, I don't really... Yeah. Kaladin is some special child. We kind of know that. Yeah. I think... Uh, I don't know. Somehow the storm father gave him his weird powers. <laughs> I mean, well, it seems like the storm father is not very happy with him for using the part- powers. This is true. Men ride the storms no longer. The oath pact is broken, child of honor. He's like writing a little song. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Men ride the storms no longer. Woo! The oath pact is broken, <laughs> child of honor. <laughs> Good job. Thank you. Um. Anyway, so moving on. Uh, Calden wakes up and he is being basically tackled by some of the guys in Bridge 4 because he they thought he was trying to go out in the storm because that's what he looked like he was doing. Yeah. And they couldn't get him to wake up. And so they're like, what were you doing? Wait, quick pause. Yes. This, in the, because of the storm, Kaladin started having a vision and shaking on the ground with people holding him down. Who like does Dalinar. this? Yes, I was going to say, who does this <laughs> remind you of? Okay, Reminds good. me of Dalinar. Good, good. I'm glad we have that connection. Made. Continue. <laughs> yes. Um, but Kaladin was trying to leave the, the barracks. And so a lot of the people from Bridge 4 are trying to hold him down. And they're mad at him because, like, they're like, why were you doing this? Why wouldn't you wake up? Like, that's his fault. Yeah. Like, okay. And then, um, wait, I want to also bring attention to one more thing that's kind of said in passing. Okay? I feel just fine, Kaladin said. That wasn't quite true. His head ached, and he was exhausted. He took a deep breath and threw her back his shoulders, trying to force the fatigue away. The sphere in the corner flickered. Then its light faded away, leaving, it, leaving them in darkness. Storm it, Moash muttered. That eel gaz. He's been giving us dumb spears again. Kaladin crossed the pitch black uh, barracks, stepping carefully. His headache faded away as he felt for the door. He inhaled the stormlight from the yeah, sphere. What just happened there? Uh, yeah, I noticed that when I was reading, and I was like, ooh. Yeah, dude, because he, he, he can do that. Yes. He can, he can do that for some reason. Yep. I love that they blaze, blame Gaz for it, though. And it's I also funny. love that it's... I like the way that this is done because you were observant enough to catch it, but yeah. somebody else might just trust the words on the page. Yeah. Which makes, I love that. It makes me, I don't know. I like it. Yeah. Anyway, I caught it. Um. Anyways, so he goes outside into the, the rain and starts to clean up. Um. The others follow him and they're all like soaping off, cleaning up as best they can. Because they're in the, 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 the riddance, the end of the storm where it's not dangerous anymore, but it's yeah. still just kind of yep. lightly wrote it. Yep. Um, so they're out there, uh, 
cleaning off. Uh, Rox got his uh, his razor and is shaving, Aww. and he starts shaving everyone else for Aww. him, which is really sweet. Um, and Cowden decides that he wants to have his beard completely taken off, and so he uh, Rox shaves his beard completely clean, and it makes Cowden feel like a lot better. He yeah. feels like the old him. Yay! And he's like, I should have done this weeks ago. Why yes. did I not? Yes. Um, but that's good. Uh, Sigzil tells Cowden that he thinks um, his his face with the lines with the beard gone, it fits him and it makes him look like a leader. Yeah. Like the way his face is shaped makes him appear as a leader. And Cowden's like, well, I'm not a light eyes. And uh, Sigzil's like, why do you hate them so much? Yeah. And Cowden says, I hate their lies. I hate it when I used to believe they were honorable. And Sigzil's like, well, would you rather cast them down and rule in their place? And Cowden's like, no. I wouldn't. Mm-hmm. And um, basically, Kaladin says, I'm happy to punish them, but I do not wish to join them or take their place. And Moash is like, I would join them. I would love to, like, switch things around and be, a, like, the dark eyes be the leaders and the light eyes have to do what, the crap we're doing. Yeah. And Kaladin's like, that's never going to happen. And then Sigzil proceeds proceeds to tell them the story of this culture. Um, the I, I'm going to say this wrong. The Babantharanum? Yeah, Babarthanum? Probably something like that. I don't Babarthanum. know. That's what I'm going to call it. Good. Um, but this this culture, and basically, this culture doesn't go by, like, eye color. They go by age. So the older you are, you have more power. And yeah. so they pick their leaders yeah. based on the oldest ones. But what they've ended up doing in the current, like, ruling family has made it so that they kill off everyone who is even getting close to being the age so that they always have the oldest person in the in yes. the, uh so the, the one in power, the family in power has been in power for nearly 50 years now yes. because of this. Yes. And Cowden's like, well, that's terrible. And Sigzil's like, yes, most people would agree with you. Um, but this just goes to show that no matter who you are, no matter who is in power, whether it's light eyes, dark eyes, whoever, um, there are always going to be people, be people who abuse that power. Like, there's yeah. nothing you can do about it. Like, Moesh, you want to try and change things, but chances are... Even if you were meant able to switch things and change things around, there would still be people who are causing trouble and who are abusing the power that you've given them. Right. Like, there's just, there's nothing you can do about it. There's always, no matter what, there are always going to be people who abuse their power. Right. Which is totally, um, and we actually find out that Moash came to the war to get himself a sharp blade. That was, that was his plan. Um, It obviously has not worked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But that's, that's what he hoped. And he talks about the fact that he doesn't know if Kaladin's plan is going to work, but he is looking forward to learning how to use a spear. Or, yeah, a spear. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, You know, pretty pretty cool. They, they talk about Shardblades a little bit more and about, you know, anyone who wins it would become a light eyes and, like, they have to follow that law and whatever. Right. Um, And Kaladin's like, well, that's assuming they follow the law. Yes. Uh, Kaladin really just hates on the light eyes. I mean, we just saw what happened with him. No, yeah, I don't necessarily, I don't, yeah, I get it. Um, but yeah. they start talking about the fact that Sigzil's just kind of been all over the world, and yeah. Rock says, you're a world singer, and Sigzil gets, like, offended by that and rushes off, and Rock's right. like, why in the world is he upset by that? And basically, we find out a world singer is just people that travel to each kingdom and tell other people about other kingdoms, Yeah, which is which is cool. Um, So that's, he's basically a storyteller, but they're not sure why Sigzil's offended by that. Right. Which we don't know either. Yeah. Um, and so they just kind of talk about this a little bit. They talk about uh their lives and stuff. And 
uh, they Kaladin sends them off to uh, start like cleaning up and to like oil and care for their equipment because they have chasm duty later in the day. Yeah, and so they need yeah. to like have everything cleaned and like all their equipment like looking good. Yeah. Um, and before he does that, Kaladin kind of starts to, uh, well, he doesn't head off. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, he catches sight of uh some soldiers leading new new bridgemen, and so Kaladin goes over there to with with Tef goes over to Gaz. Which we haven't seen Gaz in a while, yeah, really. He's just been chilling. Yeah, so we see Gaz here, and I don't even hate Gaz that much anymore, to be honest. Uh, me either. He kind of sucks, but not terrible. Yeah, he's not like I, I don't like him still, but I feel kind of bad for him. He hasn't really done anything bad. He's just getting bad, yeah, like he, rules to. Since get them. we've seen from his point of view, it's been hard to hate him as much. Yes. Which is, I mean, I guess it's how life is, right? Yeah. Once you see from there, there what they're seeing is like, oh, I guess I get yeah. it. Um, so, uh, Gaz, uh, sees Kaladin and says, he says, before you yell at me, understand that I can't change anything here. Mm-hmm. And basically we've learned that even though he's bridge sergeant, yeah. um, brightness to shawl under the order of, of her husband, quote unquote, she has decided that she is making the assignments for who's going to each bridge crew. Yeah. And Kaladin's like, great. So we're not going to get anything because she's trying to kill us all. Yeah. And Gaz is like, well. She did give you one. She gave them a parchment. Yep. Because they're trying to test. They're having troubles finding enough slaves to fill bridge crews. Yeah. And so what they've decided now is they're trying to test whether parchment will stay loyal <laughs> long enough to... Oh, man. Like, whether they will be willing to go and fight the Parshendi, which are basically related to them. That's tough. Um, That's so, tough. yeah. Not great. Not great. And Cowden's like, you're kidding me. Mm-hmm. Like, oh my gosh. And he, Cowden here is very kind of, kind of racist. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure, actually. You're right. <laughs> he, it's, it's not great. It's, I feel really bad for the parchment. But Kaladin also, to be fair, in a minute you see him refuse to be yes. racist. Yes, which, yes, which is good of him. The, but um, the parchment slash parshendi deal. Yeah, they're racist. If someone can comprehend the same level a human can, treat them like a dude. Yeah. That's my mean. That's yeah. my thing. Anyway, continue. Um, but Gaz, uh, so Gaz says it's just an experiment, whatever. And Cowden says, fine, whatever. And they head out with the parchment and they get back to uh, Bridge Four. And Bridge Four is like, you're joking. And they're all kind of buttholes. Like, I like Bridge Four, but they're kind of buttholes to the parchment here. And Cowden thinks of the parchment as a liability and he thinks this sense. He thinks, Turn a liability into an advantage whenever you can is something he thinks of that has been spoken yeah. before to him. Yeah. And Kaladin's like, no, I'm I'm not an idiot. This isn't the same. And so he asks the parchment if the parchment has a name. The parchment says no. Well, it doesn't say no, but he, he shakes, shakes his, his head. head. And so they decide to call him Shen. Yeah. That's the parchment's name. That's a pretty good and, name. And um, all the others are like, this is ridiculous. They're, he's going to kill us while we sleep. Like, this is bad. The only thing we can use him for is he'll be at the front and he can take an arrow for us, which is terrible. Yeah. And Cowden thinks, you know, you're not wrong. But then he's like, no, we're going to treat him like one of us. We're not going to lower ourselves to the light eyes and treat him like a light eyes would. Yeah. Because he realizes that the lowest you can be, he thought the lowest you could be was a Bridgman. The lowest you really can be is a Parshman Bridgman. Yeah. And so Cowden Wow, just, that's true, actually. Well, that's what it says. Yeah, that's true. I just never piece that. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah. I, man... You guys, your audience, be happy. Colton hates racist people. <laughs> it makes me so mad every time. But Kaladin has basically decided that 
he tells them, no, we're going to treat him as if he was one of us. Right. He is part of Bridge 4 now, and so we're going to treat him like Bridge 4. Right. And the others are kind of like, meh. That's how they feel about it, but um, that's kind of what they've accepted. And Teft basically tells um, tells them, tells Kaladin that he's going to keep an eye on Shen because he doesn't trust him, and he wants to make sure that Mm-hmm. No one gets hurt. Like Kaladin doesn't get hurt, and that he Shen doesn't try and tell um, anyone else their plans for escaping. Yeah. Um. So that's you know I thought Parchman couldn't talk, but we have learned that Parchman can talk. They just don't like literally ever. They can say like one or two words. Like they don't. They don't. They never talk more than like just a few words at a time. Yes. Um. And so now Kaladin decides he's going to go for a walk, and that's where the chapter shifts uh ahead again. And yep. so so Kaladin's walking through the war camps. Uh, just kind of going about, like, thinking... Uh, he thinks about the fact that his father used to do this a lot, and he didn't understand it when he was younger, but yeah. now he he does. Um, and he thinks, uh, while he's walking, Syl pops up again, which we haven't heard a lot from Syl either. I love Syl. Um, and Syl is just kind of talking to him. She's like, you seem worried. Like, what is wrong? And Kaladin's like, okay, getting a bridgeman, like, a whole bridge crew out yeah. is not going to be easy. Because yeah. we can't, I can teach them how to use a spear, but they can't take the spears out of the chasms. Right. Like, because we're searched, so I have to figure out how to, you know, we can't fight them when yeah. we're being searched, because then the whole war camp's going to know. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just trying to figure out how to get them out, and he's like, every time I try and protect people, it doesn't work. Yeah. It's like I'm cursed. Yeah. And still thinks that he's about to fall back into his depressive state, and he's like, no, I'm fine. It's not that. I'm still going to try and do this. But it does seem like the Almighty hates me. Yep. And they talk about, Sills like, well, do you believe in the Almighty? And so they tar- start talking about the Almighty, and Calvin's like, I don't know what I believe. My parents did, but I don't I don't know what I believe. Yeah. Um. And so they just have this this conversation uh, about it. And S- uh, Kaladin asks Sill about um, Odium. He's like, I heard this name. Does it mean anything to you? And Sill hisses <laughs> like that and just, like, shoots out of the way and just is Hides. gone. Yeah. And Kaladin's like, what in the world? Yeah. Like, had no idea what that means. Um, it's just super confused. But before he can think about that too much, a light eyes officer shoves a half-dressed woman out of uh, a building and is yeah. like being a terrible human being. The, like the upper half of her dress isn't on. She's not wearing a glove or anything. So her, her, free, her safe hand's out. Yeah. It's and just- he He kicks her hard yes. in the gut and it's not great and Kaladin gets up and goes to like run towards her and a man with um blonde blonde hair speckled black speckled yes he shows up okay and is like don't like getting gets in between the officer or the um Sadius's officer and the and woman he has two backups too yeah he's got backups they're wearing and, blue yes and um uh <laughs> The Sadie's officer is like, can we why read, are you can here? We, can we read this? Yes. Okay, I, I feel like this is kind of important. Yes. Okay. The man who had kicked her, a thick-browed brute with a mop of uncombed black hair, began to button up the right side of his coat. You don't belong here, friends. It seems you wandered into the wrong war camp. We have legitimate business, said the officer in blue. He had light golden hair speckled with the alethi black and a handsome face. He held his hand before him as if wishing to shake his hand with Sadius's officer. Come now, he said affably. Whatever your problems with this woman, I'm sure it can be resolved without anger or violence. 
Paladin moved back under the overhang where Stell had hidden. She's a whore, Sadius's man said. I can see that, replied the man in blue. He kept his hand out. The officer in green spat on it. I see, said the blonde man. He pulled his hand back and twisting lines of mist gathered in the air, coalescing in his hands as he raised them to an offensive posture. A massive sword appeared, as long as a man is tall. It dripped with water that condensed along its cold, glimmering length. It was beautiful, long and sinuous. Its single edge rippled like an eel and curved up into a point. The back bore delicate ridges, like crystal formations. Thaddeus's officer stumbled away and fell, his face pale. The soldiers in green scattered. The officers cursed at them, as vile a curse as Kaladin has ever heard, but none returned to help them. With a final glare, he scrambled up the steps back into the building. The door slammed, leaving the roadway eerily silent. Kaladin was the only one on the street beside the soldiers in blue and the fallen courtesan. The shard-bearer gave Kaladin a glance, but obviously judged him no threat. He thrust his sword into the stones. The blade sank in easily and stood with his hilt towards the sky. The young shard-bearer then gave his hand to the fallen whore. What did you do to him, out of curiosity? Hesitantly, she took her hand and let him pull her to her feet. He refused to pay. Claiming his reputation made it a pleasure for me, she grimaced. He kicked me the first time after I made a comment about his reputation. It apparently wasn't what he thought he was known for. The Bright Lord chuckled. I suggest you insist on being paid first from now on. We'll escort you to the border. I advise against returning to Sadius's war camp anytime soon. It's Adolin! He's so nice. I love what, Adolin. What a good moment to make you like the boy. I know, seriously. Yeah. Um, He could have just kept on walking, but... It was so sweet. I, I really love Adolin. And so right after this... Um, <laughs> Adolin turns to Kaladin and says, Bridge boy! And Kaladin's like, what? Bridge boy? We're the same age! <laughs> yeah. And basically, Adolin says, Can you run to Bright Lord uh, Raral Macaram and tell him I'm not going to be there? Adolin Colin won't make today's meeting. Yeah. And Kaladin's, and he then he to- tosses Kaladin a sphere, yep. which is nice of him. A, an expensive one, and too. An emerald chip. So more than he normally earned in two weeks. So yeah. I appreciate Adolin for that. Good job, Adolin. Um, and the men, uh, so Adolin leaves. And still pops back up again and says, you rushed to help her. That was very noble of you. And Kaladin's like, well, the others got there first. And it's probably a good thing because what could I have done? Yeah. Like nothing. I would have just made things worse. Yeah. Like the girl might have died if it weren't for me. Or if, if it, it were, were for me. For me yeah. If I tried to help. If I tried to help. And so Kaladin starts to head back to the lumber yard and still's like, aren't you going to go do what you were told to do? And Kaladin does this kind of butthole thing because he just <laughs> got paid for this. And he's like, nope. Yeah, it's not my I job. I am not going to do that. He treated me like crap. Really, he didn't. He yeah. just kind of asked you to do something. Yeah. Um, maybe he could have been a little bit more polite about it, but he did pay you. He could have just been like, go yeah. do this thing. But he did pay you for it. And Kaladin does feel a little guilt here at the very end. Yeah. Um. He, yeah, but he basically says, Sill's like, you're going to take his sphere? And Kaladin's like, yeah, he earned it from dark because of dark eyes. Yeah, I'm I, taking des- it. I deserve this sphere. But yeah. Kaladin's very, kind of a butthole in this section. Yeah. The very end of the chapter just ends with, he thinks, he thinks, but the man had stopped to protect the woman, so maybe he's not that bad. Yeah. And Kaladin's like, no, I don't care. He was just looking for a way to embarrass one of Sadius's officers. And so that was the end of the chapter. Yep. Yeah. Uh, do we have any theories about this chapter? I do not, but we are very far through this book. I know. We're, it, it's weird. It's suddenly in my brain moved from being like, we're around halfway to like, I look down and it's like, oh, we're like done. 
Like we're well, we still have quite a bit left, but yeah, but like think about it this way, Sydney. We only have let's see what week is this? This is week fourteen. We only have six weeks of this. Oh goodness! Yeah, we're very close to being done. I had to go buy the next book. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do. I haven't done that yet. Oh well. Anyway, oh, well. are you ready to rank those characters? Absolutely, I am. All right. Well, that means that it's time to rank the characters. Woo! Okay, here it goes. We, here we go. We have our characters ranked. Yes. Sydney, do you want to read? All the characters we saw this week, we deleted them. You deleted the list. I didn't. I didn't delete. I actually pulled from the list directly into our ranking. So here's the ranking for this week, and you will know who we saw from where. The, <laughs> if I say their name, we saw them this week. Um, we have Shalon as our most favorite. She was really cool this week. Yep. Kaladin, you know, doing his thing. Still, he, we love Kaladin, but he was kind of he's depresso, but he. I like him for trying to overcome the presso. Yes. That's nice. There's still. Yeah, she's doing her thing. Hasina is an amazing mother this week. Love her. Yeah. Adolin is a savior to the sex worker. We love Adolin for that. Yep. Tien, lovely brother. Uh, very good person. Rock and Teft, great helpers. Love them. They're, love them both. Rock is so sweet. Teft is so serious. Love Rock. Amaram. Uh, in this seems pretty chill. In this, yeah, he's he's a cool guy. I like him. Sigzil, uh, world to- teller, pretty cool person. Yasna, yeah. she's the leader. She helps. I love that she instantly dives to help Shalon. Yes, like her a lot. So we have the sex worker who isn't named, but is very impactful. She's a very good person. She doing her job. Seemed like yep. a nice guy. Yeah. Followed by. You mean nice woman, not nice guy? Yeah, sorry. Nice woman. <laughs> then we have Liren. Uh, Liren is just kind of being a dad, but he's this low because he his kids who are obviously terrified are getting like. Yeah. He, he basically makes it worse for the kids who are obviously uh-huh. terrified. Then we have Moash kind of just being a butt sometimes. Moash is just. He's so hit or miss. Sometimes he's really nice, and sometimes he's just like, nah. Yeah. Same with Capsule, who's down yeah, here. Yeah, Capsule was on our top five last week, yeah. and I can't decide how I feel about him. He seems really manipulative. I agree. I'm not a fan of that. Yeah. And now we have uh, the section of characters who we kind of don't have any real strong opinions on. Stormfather, The Lopin, Dunny, Scar, Shen are all here. And Symbolheads. And Symbolheads. Well, we kind of dislike them. They put her into a, uh, a terrified like state. Which, which is, is 100% great, fair. Which is why she's that low. Yeah. Then we have two characters who sometimes are wish you were dead, but today we don't wish death upon them. It is Gaz and Laurel. Gaz has improved so much in our minds. Yes. Like Gaz went from, I hate you, I wish you didn't exist, to, you know, I don't like you, but you're just kind of doing your job and I feel bad for you. You feel like you're, he feels like he's trapped in a bad state. Yeah. And a good person would get themselves, like, would refuse to do the bad work. Yes. But, a regular person, not an evil person, but a regular yeah. person is doing would do what he, he did. He does say and do things that are a little extra butthole-ish that he could be a nice person and still do these things, like do yes. like the things he has to do because he has to do them, but yeah. not be a butthole about it. Yes. But he's just a also a butthole. <laughs> to be fair though, there are worse people. Oh, like, for sure. For example, Laurel, who's just kind of the worst. Yeah, we're not big fans of Laurel. But she didn't not, do anything. I don't want her to die. Chapter. She didn't do anything this chapter, and I feel bad for her also though because yeah. she's being forced into—I assume forced into—being forced into a marriage with a freaking fifty-year-old, which and she's like fourteen. We'll hear the fifty-year-old in a minute. Mm. Um, but before we get to them, we have brightness of shawl in the first in the wish you were dead area. Yeah, not a. She doesn't actually talk in this, but she is referenced and is absolutely she, impactful. Yes. So we decided to include her because she, her decision and her statement was impactful to uh, what happens. Then we have the stripper butthole, uh, who, if you don't, if you don't know which one we're talking to, we're referring to the Sadius man. 
Uh, because yeah, the 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 office goes to, officer goes to sex work, refuses to pay sex work, beats up a woman. Yeah, just a terrible guy. Not not good. Don't do that. Yeah, I hate him. And then our least favorite character, the wish, the one we wish most death upon, is Roshone. Absolutely, he's. Ugh. And even still, I still kind of understand because he feels like he was robbed and his son died. So I kind of understand, but I still he's yeah, terrible, he terrible, just, terrible. Like he understands what it's like to lose your your son, and now he's just taken both of uh yeah um both of Lear and Son's way in the most buttholeish way to do. He literally could have been like, okay, fine. I when when um uh Kaladin said that he wanted to take Tien's place. He could have at least this would have helped him so much, but like, okay, you can take Tien's place. But no, he was like, sorry, it's my choice. Either one of you goes or you both go. Like Tien goes or you both go. That's sorry. Terrible. That's so crappy. And then he laughs about it. Yeah, he's terrible. Yeah. Follow now we have the top five, bottom five, because that's everyone on our list. Yep. Cindy, what was last week's top five, bottom five? So last week's top five was Shalon, Rock, Sil, Cowden, and Capsule. And then our bottom five was Riller, Gaz, Lamorel, Sadius, and Hashal. And this week, uh, some changes, not a lot, but some changes. Yeah. First, we have Rock as the top because Woo! Rock. We, we started trying to this week. We made a point to try and think about our rankings without influence of this week. Who do we like the Quite most? As much. Yeah, at less. So Rock, we just love Rock. He's such a good guy. Followed by Shalon, she did great. We love her. Then Kaladin. Then Sill is at the second, uh, at the fourth best. Followed by Hasina because she this whole time has been such a great mother to her yes. son, uh, her depressed son. Like she is a great mother. Big fan of her. Now on our bottom five, the the guy who's our fifth least favorite character is the stripper butthole because dude's the worst. Yep. Followed by Gaz, who is raised surprisingly a lot for this book. Yeah, you remember when Gaz was our least favorite character like every single week? Yeah. Well, the last four weeks... He has not been, and he has gone up uh, yeah, he's, a lot. <laughs> he's he's become less bad. Then we have Sadius, who is kind of the fault. All all of the issues in this world are kind of his fault. Followed yeah. by Hishal, who is directly trying to kill Kaladin, so that sucks. Followed by Roshone, because we've already discussed how terrible he is. Yep. And that's our top five and bottom five this week. Sure is. And that's all our content we have for you this week. Wow. We thank you so much for being here and listening this far. Um, next week, Sydney, what are we going to read? Next week, we're reading chapters 47, 48, 49, 50, 51, um, interlude 7, and interlude 8. So it's it's several, several yes. chapters. So 47 through interlude 8. Seven Do chapters. Do not go on to interlude 9. If you go on to interlude 9, you <laughs> will be ahead. Yes, and that's and bad. That's unacceptable. And also, uh, you have to make sure you read that, because if you don't read that, then... Sydney will, um, you know, kill your son. Oh. Yeah, he'll take him from you and kill you. So oh. even if you don't currently have a son, Sydney will wait. She's patient. I am a very patient human being. She will take the long game. She wants that son. <laughs> she wants... She, Be careful. Yes. If you're having your first child, Keep make an sure eye out you for better Cindy. hope it's a daughter. <laughs> <laughs> I don't harm the women, only I don't the men. <laughs> That's good stance, good stance. <laughs> Um, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. We'd also like to say thank you to Alezia for making the intro and outro to our program. That is A-L-E-Z-E-I-A on Spotify. Yes, he makes great <laughs> music. It's called Windrunner Remake, and we appreciate that. I haven't gotten to do it, so we mixed up who said it. Who said um, yeah. the intro, so I wanted to say that as part of the outro, because okay. Colin always does it. I guess that means next week I'm just going to say the chapters, and you say what they're going to do. What you, no, what I, that do. is my thing. You do not get to snatch that from me. <laughs> All right. We appreciate you listening. My name is Colton Pratt. And I'm Sydney Lyerly. I love you. Peace.
the show's over. <laughs>